Hey, morning, everybody. You guys doing all right? Spring break, let's go, come on. March Madness. Uh, my name's Jim, and I'm glad you're here. I had a rough week, I'll just be honest. Like, it is so tough when you know that you gotta um, step up here and do something like this. When on Tuesday, I had this meeting in the afternoon, and uh, I'm in this meeting, and I could just see the people I'm meeting with were just watching me deteriorate. And sure enough, I went home, and I stuck my thermometer in, and it just spiked my fever on Tuesday night. I, I ended up in bed Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Nobody felt bad for me because everybody thought I was playing hooky and watching March Madness, uh, which is true. No, I wasn't playing hooky, but I was watching all those games. My bracket is not in good shape. Anybody have a bracket that is in good shape? Oh, okay. I see Dan. Um, yeah, so it, it, it was a rough week, and I just I felt like, gosh, Lord, uh, if, if you're going to say anything today that makes any sense to anybody, like if you don't believe in God or you're not sure that God exists, if anything I say today halfway makes sense, then you know that God is real, okay? We're just going to make that, that deal because this, this has been a tough go, but... I'm so glad you're here, and especially for those of you guys who are new, um, I hope that when you walk into this place, you just feel your, I hope you feel your body kind of go, oh. Uh, we, we want this to be a place that uh, just feels like home to you, and so um, whether it's your first time or, you know, you've been here many, many times, just know that this is a place that we hope is healing, that has great relationships in store for you. Uh, and, and a place where hopefully you get a chance actually to have a real encounter with God. Because we believe God is not a fairy tale and that God actually wants to speak and do something with you today. That's, that's our prayer. So I, I want to pray for us. And then we're going to get going with a new series today. Lord, uh, we lift to you today. Um, we ask God that you would just bless our time and, and help us, Lord, right now, just each one of us, no matter where we're at, where we've been from or what our background is or how we perceive church, um, we ask God that we could strip away all that stuff and see you clearly and see Jesus clearly today. Uh, that, that's, that's what we pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to um, start a series today called The Final Four. Man, Bill's so creative. Um, we're we're going to start this uh, series because we got four weekends leading up till Easter Sunday. And we thought it'd be cool to take a, um, take a moment and look at what were some of the things that Jesus thought was most important to talk about before he died. You know, like leading up, leading up to his death and resurrection, what did he decide, hey, you know, I'm going to, let's call time out. Let's, let's spend a little time talking with you about the last things that I want to make sure that you get. That, that's what we want to do with this series, the final four. And I want to actually start, and, and really these next two weekends, we're going to talk about something that I'll bet you many in this room, and especially if you've grown up going to church, maybe a bunch of you have, I know... The thing about Ascent is we got people all who have incredibly diverse backgrounds in terms of their church attendance, that kind of stuff. Um, I'll bet a lot of you never heard anyone give a message before about the Holy Spirit. So, you know, just a little background, right? If um, uh, For those of us who say I'm a Christian, you, um, we would believe that God is actually kind of three in one, that there's... God the Father, that there's God the Son, that's Jesus, 
and God's Holy Spirit. And that somehow there's this mystery wrapped up that God is three, but God is one, Father, Son, and Spirit. But a lot of us probably grew up in churches or our background might be that the, the actual Trinity that you learned was Father, Son, and Holy Bible, not Holy Spirit. And by the way, I'm not dissing the Bible. The Bible's amazing. But it's actually Father, Son, and Spirit. And yet we never hear about the Spirit. We never understand the Spirit. We don't actually know what the Holy Spirit does and why it does it. And in fact, I was reading something this week um, while I was laying on my bed sick that said that around 20% of people that would say that they're Christians, 20% would say that they ever think about the Holy Spirit. One in five. So now, I want you to think about this for a second because this is one of the most important things that Jesus says uh, that Jesus is going to talk about. In his, in his final days, he talks about the Holy Spirit, and yet very few of us, myself included, man, I, you kidding me? I have almost no clue about what the Spirit is doing in my life half the time. And yet Jesus makes a very serious point that we understand it and want to know it. And so here's, here's my invitation today. I want, I want you to lean in and go, okay, what does this mean? How does this matter for me? What, what could understanding more about the Holy Spirit actually do and could actually change part of who you are today? That, that's, that's what I'm hoping, okay? Um, so let me, let me start by showing you something Jesus says. He's, he, the background is he's got his followers, his disciples, and he, <laughs> they, many of them have been following Jesus because they have a wrong impression, they think that Jesus is going to lead this like big military revolution and he's going to overthrow the Roman government and Jesus is going to get set up as king and they're going to be like his lieutenants. And, and that's, that's what they think is about to happen. And Jesus lets them in on some tough news. Jesus tells them, hey, actually, I'm going to be taken and arrested and beaten and they're going to kill me. And, and I'm going to die. And he does tell him, I'm, I'm going to rise again. But I'm, I, this is not going to turn out the way that you think it is. And, and he's, he's, Jesus is working on them, trying to get them to understand what's going on. But then, in the midst of that, so they're, they're, they're like trying to swallow what that information means, right? Oh, my gosh, this is not what I thought. Then he tells them this. Look at, look at John. This is uh, John's version of the life of Jesus. Look at what John writes. It says, uh, now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going, because I think they're still in a fog. Wait, what? You're dying? Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, now get this, in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Okay, time out. Did Jesus just say that it's actually better for the fo his followers, that he dies and goes? That, that's what it looks like to me. And, and if, you're, if you're somebody who's been listening to Jesus, you're, you're a disciple who's been following him, you've got to be going, wait a second, what are you talking about? We've seen you do the most amazing things. You have blown our minds. There is no way that you dying could possibly be good for me, let alone better for me, but that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus says. It will be best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, 
the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So now Jesus is making a promise here. When I die, I'm going to send you the advocate. Okay, what's that? So let me, I want to show you what the word is that Jesus uses here. Because this is the, one of the words that we use for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And here's, here's the word. The word that Jesus uses for the advocate is this right here. It's paraclete. Okay, it's a, kind of a strange word. What's that mean? Jesus says, I'm going to send you the paraclete. Will you think about the word? Think about the word para. If I say something's parallel, what does that mean? It's, it's like alongside. It runs with it. If I say somebody, uh, someone's a paralegal, what do they do? They, they help with, with legal things. When, I say, when Jesus says paraclete, he is saying, I am promising you, you are going to get my spirit that is going to come alongside you for your aid. I'm going to send to you my Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you can see in a second, is going to live inside you. The Holy Spirit is going to come alongside you in your life. This is huge. And yet, if you're like me, a bunch of us don't know what's going on with that or haven't cultivated that much in our lives. Um, So at one point I got up out of my bed on Wednesday. I went down to our basement where I keep all my books, right? Poor Karen. She hates all my books. I got all these books in the basement. And I go down and I'm looking around and I just start kind of, you know, thumbing through there and just kind of on a quick glance, these were some of the books that I found down there that either dealt in full or in part with the Holy Spirit. Hey, and I, I show you this pile of books, not to make you think I'm smart. Those of you who come to Ascent know better by now, for sure. No, th- but I, I just was kind of stunned, like, oh my gosh, even in my little collection of books here, look how much has been written about the Holy Spirit. Where do we begin on this one? And, and if, I think if you took every book that's been written on the Spirit, you, you guys ever poked your head through the curtains here? Okay, you got a homework assignment. If you haven't poked your head through the curtains of our church here, poke your head through the curtains sometimes. You won't believe how big it is back there. If you think our space has some room, man, there's like two more acres, literally two more acres of, of building back behind this thing. If you took every Holy Spirit book that's been written and you stacked it like this from floor to ceiling, I think you'd fill this building. So what do we do? Where, where do we start? If there's that much out there, and yet we know so little about the Spirit, where do we want to start today understanding what the Holy Spirit does in our lives? Here's one word I want you to remember today. And, and, and I'm going to show you how this week, I, I want you to keep thinking of this word. It's going to come up in your week. And I, and I want you to think about this word, because I think this is where we're going to start with what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, this word right here. It's redirecting. Redirecting. Okay, I'm going I'm to explain it to you here in a second. Before I do that, I just want to give you a little background and make sure you know this, the, the Holy Spirit isn't a new thing that Jesus thought up in the New Testament. Okay, the Holy Spirit is there from the very beginning of the Scripture. In fact... From the very first verses in Genesis in the Bible, look at this, from Genesis 1, 
this, is, this, this is the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's 1-1. One, 1-2 one. One, says, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And who? The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Holy Spirit's there at the very start. This is not something that comes along later. And you see this throughout the Old Testament where the Spirit is intervening in life. The Spirit is giving power to certain people or armies. The Spirit is doing things that are out of the ordinary. Um, the Spirit in the Old Testament, though, is a little different. It seems a little sporadic. It'll seem to show up and then kind of go away. And in fact, you see in the Old Testament, the Spirit will come into some person's life and then sometimes leave that person's life. And in fact, uh, one of the kind of most famous examples of that, there's a guy named Saul who was a king. And by the way, you got to read these stories. This is, this is um, from 1 Samuel you, you just read these stories about these kings and, and Saul in particular. And one of the stories talks about how Saul started off with this kind of great following God and then just started to go his own path. And then it kind of leads to this moment where, look at this, 1 Samuel 16, 14. This is a, oof. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And so you see this kind of thing in the Old Testament where the, the spirit you can't quite put your finger on what the Spirit's doing and it will seem to come into somebody's life and then leave somebody's life. Now, this is a change from what you see with what Jesus talks about and he's talking to his disciples. When we move into the New Testament and in this same exact moment where Jesus says, hey, it's better for you that I leave because I'm gonna send the advocate, the paraclete to you. It's better for you. He, uh, in that same little thing that he's talking, he also says this. Look at this from uh, chapter 14. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate, paraclete, who will never leave you. Okay, did you see that, that difference right there? He will never leave you. Guys, when, when you say, I, I want to follow Jesus with my life, and you decide to put your weight down, and Jesus Christ as the, as the center of your life of who you're going to follow. Jesus promises, I'm going to give you the paraclete. I'm going to give you one that will come alongside you. And it's not going to be like it used to be, where it would come in and out. He will never leave you. Because the Spirit is going to live inside you. Never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him. It doesn't even recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. Right? I mean, you got, the disciples got to be thinking, man, if Jesus dies, then we're just on our own. No, he's saying, I'm not leaving you. I, I'm, I'm going to send, I'm going I'm to come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because the spirit is going to live inside you. Okay. I have been praying on my little sick bed this week that somehow something we say today and this conversation would, would lead us to a greater understanding, freedom, and joy. And what does it mean that there is actually an, a 
paraclete, one who lives inside of me, who's come alongside me from Jesus, that is going to move my life and redirect me in a direction that matters. Um, I want to I read to you another passage. And this one is from Romans. And I want to point this one out because as great as it is that Jesus says, I'm going to give you my spirit and he's never going to leave you, the truth of the matter is we do not have to live according to the spirit. We have the choice, you guys know, to live according to something completely different. And it doesn't matter how long we've been following God or not. It doesn't matter if there's a pastor in front of your title or what. We can live completely opposite of what God wants us to do. And the stakes are actually high on this one. Check out what Romans 8 says. And I want you to see there, there's, a, there's a war that's going to go on here for you. And it's going on every day. And look at how Paul describes it in, in Romans chapter 8. He says this, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Okay, he, he's, he's setting up for you the two sides here. There is a side of us, that, that word sinful nature, they didn't even know how to translate it. It was, it was kind of an indescribable word that basically means the side of you that is just against God. The side of you that will completely push against God. And, and, and we're dominated by it. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Now, now listen to the high stakes here. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Let that one just soak for a second. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. And that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. You know why this is, um, uh, it feels scary to me when you read something like this. Because man, there's one thing I'm in touch with. It's that I've got a sinful nature. And, and, the way I think about how Paul says this, it feels to me like what Paul is saying is you can live your life according to your sinful nature and you're like, you're behind bars. You're stuck. Man, I, think about the stuff we do day after day that just gratifies that part of our lives that is away from the spirit. The Spirit wants you in the light, in the open, face-to-face, with people. In the, living according to the Holy Spirit and that nature allows me to be in the right kind of relationships with people. Man, but I am constantly drug back here, behind bars, in the way that I treat people. Think about the stuff that's going on in your life. Think about, think about the websites we visit. Think about um, the way we respond to people in that hasty email that we write. Think about the good that we know we ought to do, the person who's in need that we just kind of pass up 
Think about um, the thing around our marriage where we're just, we know it's not living out here in the light and in the spirit, but we constantly get dragged back in here. Guys, the thing I read in there is that it terrifies me in one sense to just know like that this side of us leads to death, that we're, we feel like we're behind bars. And, and ironically, we sometimes think that living and doing the things that gratify the sinful nature are what real freedom is. We think that, oh gosh, if we could just get away from the restrictiveness of being a Christian and, you know, live life according to whatever it is that we want to do, that that would actually bring us freedom. And anybody who's lived on that sinful side of ourselves know that you will end up right here behind bars looking out before long. What do we, what do, we do with that? You know, Paul, if you go back, Paul's the one who wrote this in Romans. If you go back to, to chapter 7, part of what gives me hope is that Paul himself says, even... Who knew Jesus better than Paul? Like nobody. But in chapter 7, you see him saying, I am constantly back here. The dude wrote most of the New Testament. And yet he's finding himself constantly back here gratifying the sinful things in his life. And he says in chapter 7, the things I wish I could do, I don't do. And I end up back here living according to this kind of nature Instead of being called out and to live by the Spirit. How do we change that? Um, Here's a thought. So when Karen and I, uh, we lived years ago, we got to live for a year in Pasadena. So we, we used to live in Boulder, and then we moved, this was 2007, we moved to Pasadena, California, and our kids were just little, and we packed it all up. We took our little Subaru Outback, which we still own, and drove on down to Pasadena. We lived above a gas station, uh, and, and I was finishing up a degree at a school there. And um, so we're living above this gas station, and California living is just different. I mean, I, we saw three guns pulled in nine months. Two of them were outside our window in the gas station parking lot. So. I've been in Colorado, the, like basically the rest of my life. I've never seen a gun pulled in Colorado before. We got three in nine months in Southern California. It was crazy, and uh, so we're li- but we had so much fun. So we're <laughs> we're we're living above this gas station. We're going to school, but one of the things that we're doing is we're trying to visit everywhere we can, uh, especially on the weekends, right? To get out, go see cool things. So. Um, I'm about to teach a term, for those of you who are under 25, that you have never heard before, okay? Um, To get around, this was before kind of, I mean, it was right on the edge of the big smartphone revolution, and we didn't have any money. We didn't own smartphones. We we used something called MapQuest, okay? (laughs) Well, you're under 25, I'm sure you've never heard of this. So what MapQuest was, and I actually think it still exists, MapQuest was something where you would go online and let's say you wanted to go to Malibu. You type in uh, Pasadena to Malibu and then what you do is you'd push the print button, you'd print out directions and then you'd get in the car and you'd drive on off to Malibu using your printed directions. And so, and actually guys, this was a huge like 
change from using just the little Atlas maps that you know, we used to use. No, this was cool. This was like specific to us. And so we'd, we'd print out these directions. One of us would drive, one of us would sit in the co-pilot chair, and whoever was in the co-pilot chair would have the MapQuest directions. And so let's say we're going to Malibu, we take off. Those of you guys who've driven in, in Southern California, you know uh, the challenge. So the challenge is everybody's driving 95 miles an hour. Everybody is And here's the other challenge. There's like 50 lanes, okay? So if I'm gonna be going somewhere and I don't have uh, navigation, I've just got my map quest directions and it tells me like in five miles that I need to get off to take the five south. I don't know if that's gonna be on the right side, turn off, or, or, or the exit's gonna be on the left side. I have no idea. So the strategy is you drive in the middle lane, okay? You gotta drive in the middle lane and then the driver's cruising along and, and, and everybody's like got their head on a swivel trying to figure out, is it gonna be left or right? And the co-pilot's like, okay, get ready, get ready. We're gonna see this any time now. I don't know if it's left or right, but it just, I, I bet we got one more mile left. And so eventually then you finally see the exit. Oh, it's on the left, it's on the left, you know? And you're trying to like avoid the 98 mile an hour cars and you gotta go 20 lanes over. And the fact of the matter is sometime you miss it and you end up in like Tijuana, okay? Because once you miss your exit in California and you don't have navigation, it's over. Because all you've got is MapQuest and those printed directions mean nothing now, okay? So the co-pilot is sitting there, you miss your exit, and the co-pilot, no, 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 no! What are you doing? No, you missed the exit! <laughs> Guys, I think some of us think of God doing that to us. <laughs> we, we are living according to the sinful nature. I cannot get off that website that I'm, I know I should not look, it's not helping my relationships. And we see God right, no, no, what are you doing? Right? Well, now, think of this way. When I moved to Northern California, and by the way, when you hear the term California drivers, they're talking about Southern California drivers. Northern California drivers, a totally different animal. But when we moved to Northern California, we get in the Silicon Valley, we actually had money now, and you can't not live in the Silicon Valley and ha not have a smartphone, right? So we got a smartphone, and here was this amazing thing that happened. We're like, okay, hey Siri, um, take us to Half Moon Bay. Routing you there, you know? So off, off we go, Siri's telling me where to go, get on the 280, you're gonna take this left up here. And you guys know, even if you have a little guide like that that's much superior to printing out MapQuest directions, you still are going to miss the exit sometimes. You're still gonna get distracted. You're still gonna go the wrong way. You just will. And so what's amazing about the smartphone for me is you fly by the exit that you're supposed to get off on. What does Siri say to you? Redirecting. 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 Not, hey, what are you doing? Redirecting. You know, it's going to take a little bit longer to get where you're supposed to go now. But I'm going to get you there. I'm going to take you there. Guys, some of us in this room, listen to me. I'm begging you now. 
some of us in this room are living with shame. The shame of, yes, I have done this. I have wrecked my marriage. I have, um, I have turned my back on God in more ways than I can count. God cannot do anything with me. When you read that sinful nature stuff, you just immediately think, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get out of this jail. And I think it's because we see God sometimes outside here just going, ah. Guys, I think the Spirit is saying, let me redirect you. It's going to take a little longer. But man, I can get you back on the right track. I think sometimes we, we end up living in here longer than we need to because we're afraid of the, we're afraid of the shame of being yelled at or we have this image of God with eyebrows like this. And so we actually don't want to admit the things that we've done wrong. Or we're going to deflect those things back onto somebody else. When instead, if we see God, we see the gentleness of God's spirit saying, I'll redirect you. I'll take you where you need to go. Isn't it easier when you're inside this to be able to say, okay, yeah. And, and just the admission, the confession, like, yeah, I need to get back on track. Okay, good, because I'll redirect you. Here's what I love. I love that that word paraclete means alongside, para. It doesn't mean against. It doesn't mean I, I'm coming for you. Dang it. No, it's like, I'm here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with you. Come with me. I'm going to redirect you. Man, hear that word of grace today over you. And, and I hope that as, as we talk about this, you think of one thing, just one thing in your life where you go, yeah, I need God to redirect me. What if that was a prayer today? You started praying, Spirit, redirect me, redirect me. That's a brave prayer, and it's a prayer that I believe God answers. I've been thinking about my own life with where I need redirection. And even just the things that I do unintentionally. We end up over here a lot of times not, not because of some awful, evil plan that we've got. We end up over there sometimes just because we're not paying attention. We're not being intentional. I noticed this in the passage. Go back to um, Jessica, to the uh, five through eight. Yeah, look at this. Notice this. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, what? Think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit do what? Think about things that please the Spirit. So let your sinful nature control your what? Mind will lead to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. There's a theme here. Where I think Paul's saying to us, part of what will determine whether we end up out here in the open or back here is our mindset. Even the words that he's using there point toward where's the direction of my mind going? You know what I've noticed? I have noticed, and I am not anti media, I have noticed the more time I spend on this, the harder I find it to pray. The, the more time I get sucked into whatever it is, the more time that when I then sit down and just want to have a moment where I'm, I'm talking to God, I'm trying to 
let the Spirit guide me and move me, I find it more and more difficult. And, and what's interesting is I used to uh, be a journalism major in college, and I've spent time in that world, and here's what they teach you. They teach you that uh, the more dramatic and the more you can make your story or whatever it is that you're writing or your content, the more out there it is, the more readers you're going to get and the more advertising dollars we're going to win. And so we can get so drawn into that, and God tends to speak totally differently, doesn't he? There's an Old Testament story about this guy, Elijah, who gets crossways with this queen. Another great story you got to read. And so Elijah runs off into the wilderness and hides in a cave. He's trying to get away. And he's hiding in this cave, and he's, he's waiting, hopefully, to hear from God. And as he's hiding in the cave, there's an earthquake. And, and you got to think that surely this is how God communicates, is through the dramatic, through the big and the scripture says, but God didn't speak through the earthquake. And then a second later, there's a fire, <sighs> big fire. Well, surely this is it then. God must speak through this big dramatic thing. God's going to speak through this big dramatic thing. No, God didn't speak through the fire. And then it says, a gentle wind came. And in that gentle wind, there was a whisper. And God spoke through the whisper. Guys, if... If all I fill my mind with is earthquake and fires, am I missing the gentle whisper of the Spirit in my life? I can, I can end up right back here behind bars because my mind just gets consumed by the things that I'm just allowing myself to get drawn into day after day. And I'm training myself to not be able to hear the gentle whisper of the Spirit. I, you know, there's actually science behind this. Guys, what is it? Where is it in your life where you need to hear the grace of the Word today? Let me redirect you. I'm going to yell. Where do we need to admit, confess, say to God, I'm living back here. Would you help redirect me? I want to end with a verse that Paul starts this passage with. And we're going to end with it. Because I want you to see the, the beauty of these words. Look at, look at what he says, uh, Romans 8, 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Look at those two words, no condemnation. There's none. There's no shame. I, I'm praying this week as you're driving out there, you're using your navigation, whatever it is, will you hear the word this week redirecting? You, you hear that over you. And let God take you out with no condemnation. Okay? I'm going to pray for us. And I'm, I'm going to leave a moment to where I'm just going to leave a second for you to pray and have that conversation with God. So, God, we, um, we give this to you. We trust that you're good. And, and we are, um, 
we admit, Lord, that sometimes we see you angry at us. Or we, th- we imagine you angry at us. And God, you're not surprised when we take the wrong exit. You're not surprised when we miss the route we're supposed to go. That's not surprising to you. Lord, would you redirect us? Would you help us hear that with grace? Would you give us the, um, the bravery to listen to you? God, I, I just, for a second here, we lift this in silence to you and pray that, um, pray right now that you would just listen to us as we just pray ourselves quietly uh, for a moment on where do you want to redirect us, Lord? Hear us. God, that's a prayer that you love to hear is um, the humility that comes from a human heart that says, I need you, God. And I I pray that for uh, everyone here. And I pray that for our church. I pray that would just be who we are, uh, that we would in humility today come to you and say, please redirect us. And we pray that together in Jesus' name.